You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks. <sighs> the decaffeinated version. Yes, yes, great. And not coffee. No, it was not coffee. It was, this time, it was hot tea. See, uh, I am cheating. Or really what has become popularizing, I was Michiganizing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, cheating so, is prevalent for them. Yeah, you know, um, the other day, I, with it being Thanksgiving, I harbawed my diet. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. I, I just sort of cheated on it a little bit. Okay, good and for of you. Of course, uh, that's been, the IRS came out and said, be careful that you don't act like Michigan on your taxes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, there was a student at OSU who wound up, well, he wound up getting points off of his term paper because he harbawed his term paper. Oh. And the professor said that it was it was worse than plagiarizing. Wow. Yeah, penalty much worse. So yes. Well, we they don't slapped even want his hand. We don't even want to say that team up north, and we don't even want to use the name of that coach up north because they do not matter. They are completely non-existent to us today. Really. Well, guess what today is. Uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, so um, we re- were able to record the Monday and the Friday podcast a little earlier, but we had some technical dif- technical difficulties, and so today is Saturday, the day of the game. So the big we'll see one. what happens. Um, of course, uh, the whole nation knows <laughs> Michigan. I've taken some grief on this uh, podcast from the past uh, couple of years, of course, uh, I don't know if anybody's going to brag on now the fact that Michigan had to cheat in order to beat Ohio State, but we'll see what happens today. So yep. as we record this, we have no idea what's going to happen other than the fact that uh, one ugly man will not be standing on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Oh, man. Pretty, pretty funny. And he probably has stood on the sidelines for the last time uh, there in that in, in that, that school. So. There you go. Well, he deserves it. Sorry. Yes. Well, you know, we're Christians with everybody except in Michigan. Yes. So <laughs> poor Michigan fans today are now turning off the podcast and saying they have nothing to say to us That's at all exactly today. Right. So. All right. So getting past all the frivolities. <laughs> Uh, we've been looking this week, and I've been talking with my wonderful wife, and we've not been able to have Pastor Stone on the podcast, which has been really pretty nice. You know, <laughs> I've, en- I've enjoyed myself. So uh, dealing with education, we looked Monday at the aspect of just what are some of the fundamentals that you should have or try to establish in your children. And so we're looking today on sort of the aspect, how can I make my Christian school better? 
Um, and this this is we're not going to go in. I don't think in a real heavy-handed way on uh, philosophy of Christian schools and those kind of things, but maybe a little bit more pra- pragmatic approach about uh, the aspect of wanting to wanting to have the best school that you can. Right, for sure. And I think Christian schools have taken a hit a little bit, don't you, because of the homeschool movement? The yeah. homeschool movement has yeah, come through, especially with COVID. I don't know what the effect was. I, I'm not even sure of that. Uh, the schools around Columbus, I think that they opened up, the Christian schools did, sooner, obviously, than public did by far. Yes. I think they, according to whatever their churches did, you know, the home church that, that sponsors them and is the main church of that ministry. So I don't know if COVID hit them, but um, Christian schools are building back. So, yeah, but it's been been a tough road the last few years for them. Yeah, one of the aspects, at least here in Ohio, I know many people are going to be listening to this in other nations, but here in Ohio, um, there's been some laws that have passed, some bills that have passed that have uh, fundamentally helped many Christian schools that, that are not quite where we are, uh, where our position would be we want absolutely zero state money and state interference because, of course, uh, money equals control. And so whenever you get that state money. So um, there are a couple of bills. uh, I don't know all of the particulars, but I know that they've been working on getting some bills passed where the money follows the parent, you know, follows the child. And so um, they would get a whatever the amount would be from the state, and then the parent would designate where that would go. And so that would be good instead of, you know, the state saying, uh, here's your supplemental fund, because right. we as independent Baptists could never really do that. Right, um, exactly. You know, or perhaps maybe shouldn't. That may be another podcast. But uh, so in that aspect, some of the Christian schools are, are hurting because um, some more uh, maybe— uh, open-minded, if you want to say that, or maybe a little bit more liberal Christian schools are saying, yeah, we'll take the state money, come on. And and so you get a voucher and mm-hmm. you get it from the state where many of our Christian schools would not do would not do that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, yep. And Christian schools, they are necessary. Um, I felt called to be a Christian school teacher, that's for sure. And I do think that people have to have a calling for it kind of like mission field or something else. I feel that way anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not like just any old person should do it. But um, I do think it should be on a pastor's heart to have a Christian school, and uh, it spearheads from that part. So Yes. Hence why there's none at our church yet. <laughs> so we are um, of a generation that, that basically was pre-Christian school movement. And we, we, I went to a Christian school, a public school, a Christian school, a public school, then back to a Christian school because we moved quite a bit. But our generation, uh, there, you know, in the in the early to mid seventies was whenever the Christian school movement really started to get strong. Yes. And started to really move across. So we've seen both before and after. And right. we've seen Christian schools begin and struggle and do great because they were trying. And then sometimes get to a point where they think they may not need to keep trying anymore, and then we're really in trouble whenever we do that. Okay, and what do you mean by that trying? Trying to improve, trying to excel. Oh, okay. You know, trying to trying to be the best that they can. Meaning just coasting. And, 
Yeah, and I can't I, – I don't have any particular school in mind, but uh, there was that initial movement of we've got to find some teachers. We've got to find some good educators. We've got to find a, you know, a, a good educator to operate the program. And then um, over the course of time, well, it's going fine, so we're just going to leave it alone mm-hmm. instead of continually trying to stay – not cutting edge on technology because we never can afford that. Yeah. But to, to continue to look at yourself and your ministry and how can we improve and get better. And I think overall, a lot of Christian schools uh, just stayed, just stayed the same and never really improved and, and worked on weak areas and then just sort of uh, – crumbled a little bit. Yeah, that can, Yeah, I think many of them have closed. And it's a sad thing because I think that we do need it. We need Christian schools. We need them all around. Yeah, amen. So anyway. So what are some of the things that you would say you're looking at a Christian school and how, how can you make it better? Um, well, I look at it from a teacher's vantage point, <laughs> how to make it better. But um, as a parent, too, um, you can make it better by um, just supporting your teachers and uh, doing biblical things. If there's a problem, you go to the teacher. I mean, it can become this giant network of gossip. And especially if you get critical about the teacher, it can become this just a giant nest that shouldn't be. So I think that that's one thing to just hit up. I know that that may be like too in-depth that you're talking about. but No, no. But man, as a parent, point. as a teacher, I would appreciate it if there's a problem to come and see me at the time about that. And don't wait months on end where you're unhappy and, you know, there's issues and things going on. I mean, I've seen kids you know, take abuse from other kids, especially middle schoolers. And I didn't know about it for some time. And then when I figured it out or the parent talked to me, I was finally able to help solve it or help resolve it. So, you know, communication is huge. And I mean huge. If you're a parent, communicate with the teacher. But I would say that for public as well, um, if there's a problem. Um, My parents kind of just kept a little bit of hands off because they trusted what was going on in the schools. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they, if I don't know how your parents were in public, but um, well, I, I do want to say in, our, in my elementary public school, we sang a whole Christmas cantata to the parents and it was from oh, yeah. the King James Bible. I still have the tunes in my head that we learned. Yeah, I we, we it was did unbelievable. In, I think it was in uh, fifth grade. We, 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 uh, had a whole program where they read Luke chapter 2. Right, Garfield Elementary, I remember, going to that school, and and they were very much more biblically sound. Now, they did bring in Santa Claus and gave everybody candy, but they had a concert where they talked about the Savior. So mm-hmm. anyway, but that's off topic, but, but communicating. So my parents didn't communicate as much with the school unless it was really something bad that they had to handle. But um, I think that with a Christian school, that's much a, an easier thing. You don't feel like you're, in, you're walking into a big conglomerate talking to someone. It's usually someone from your church or a sister church that you know. And so communication is vital. Okay, so how does a teacher gracefully handle going to church and a parent trying to find them and complain? Well, you have a lot of hideouts in the buildings. <laughs> My sons know in the buildings where I could hide out. 
<laughs> they have stories about mom running into the closet. Anyway, no. Isn't that wonderful? We're just wonderful. <laughs> to, you just Teachers find a good hideout and get there. No, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. But um, now what was your question? <laughs> what was it? Uh, a parent accosting you oh. at church. Oh, at about church. things at school. I've had it happen, and I'm, I'm like after a choir practice or something, and your stock's still going. Number one, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh oh. Number two, what do I do? So, I mean, if they talk to you at church, I well, regardless of where it is, I always would be praying in my heart right out of the gate because you don't know when. I don't know. I don't think it's Satan, but you know, the flesh. When they come to you, they may be in a fleshly. Uh, tone of voice or in their mm-hmm. heart, or they may not be. But um, I would say as a parent, uh, for parents, don't um, accost your teacher at church. Let them do their ministries. That I would say it on the flip side of that. Um, find a time to make an appointment instead of just accosting them, and especially for a problem. I right. mean, if it's something like, hey, I was so glad to see Johnny got an A-plus on that, and all of his papers stack for the whole week was so awesome. That's a different story. But if you've got a, a problem um, as a teacher— Or double-checking on a paper that's yeah, due or, yeah, right. or something simple, or something like that. Yes, just, right. but whenever you've got an issue, yeah, hey— I want to talk to you about <laughs> you're right probably the best way as you start getting into this deep discussion probably the best way is to say you know this is a great thing that we need to cover how about making an appointment so we can really handle this the way that we should right exactly so yeah I would say it that way all right uh, other suggestions that come to your mind for making the Christian school better? Oh, for for making it better. Well, uh, teachers, I don't know, teachers really have to be ultra planned out. And sometimes you can be, it depends on the school. Some some schools, teachers have so much paperwork, meaning from the office, from the hierarchy with, um, you know, independent education programs, those IEPs and a whole bunch of other things that you don't have the time to invest in actually making your own lesson plans, your own and and making them yours. But I would say teachers out there really like every year look over those lesson plans. And a couple things I learned at a school here in Westerville is just think on a scope of a year ahead, like what do you want them to have at the end of the year and get to that goal and so, you know, the teachers have to be ultra planned. And I think sometimes, especially in tiny Christian schools, they can be very willy nilly is my my opinion. Now, I could be wrong. They can email us and say, you're totally wrong. We're so awesome. But I would think that it, it, it lends itself when you have fewer people to just let's get a you know, let's just do homeschool light in our Christian school type of thing or or something. Mm hmm. Well, you are one of the few teachers, in my opinion, who it was very unusual if you did not finish your curriculum in that right. year. Now, right. there were a couple of times, if I remember right, that you had told the principal, look, these kids are weak in fractions or these kids are weak in multiplication, whatever it is. Right, it was. And you'd say, we need to stop the curriculum 
and concentrate about a month on this so I will not be finishing my curriculum. I mean, you'd right. tell them that in October or something, you know. Then right, I could see Again, it. write a note or something, you know. Again, of course, nowadays, you know, send an email, and then you've got the email, you know, it just to resend and remind, right. you know. Now, remember, but, but you and you, because you were planned and because you were purposed, you never were cramming that last month of school. You know, as right. some some teachers do, they don't realize that they got behind, and so now you know you're trying to race through the last eight chapters in one month. You know, just to get done. You were always excellent about that. Yeah, uh, math would be the really weird one though, because you don't know when you get them in your classroom if they're right up to par at the time. So yeah, you have to. Plus, you have to know what they have already needed to know. <clears throat> so if they start into your book then uh, in September and they don't know what they're doing, you have to stop. And you don't throw blame everywhere. You have to solve the problem. Yes. So that's part of it. You know, just stay out of the blame game. You know, so-and-so in the uh, year before did not do this, that, and the other. It matters not. You have to get them to another point. So, you know, start and get there. So no matter what you have to do. <clears throat> All right. Um, any other suggestions? I know you probably have a million of them. It's so open-ended. But because I don't know where you're going, I don't know sort of how to make the questions better. Well, I would say also pastors, when you're trying to hire people, um, you can hire people out of colleges that are fresh out of there. And they have all these neat ideas. And young people that are fresh out of college have that youth and vitality, which is so cool because they can sit down on the floor with kindergarten and play games and do things with them. <laughs> um, if you've got an older staff. Uh, that may not you, be able to get back up off the floor. Floor. Right. If get they the, do get down. <laughs> or get the crane, Joe. We got to get her up off of there. Anyway. <laughs> oh, anyway. But a pastor, make sure that they they hire te teachers that are biblically sound and ministry minded and servants at heart. Yes. There's so many things like that that they don't think about. They look at, oh, they came from this college, so they must be awesome and ready to go. Well, you don't know that they have this giant gap because they've never really been a servant. They've never had to do some hard things. Um, so the I would say Christian school teachers are probably the most unsung heroes ever because usually they're not being paid extra well at all. They're a lot of them are living on faith. Many of them are living in areas of the city that are, you know, a little more run down because they can't afford to live other mm -hmm. places. Then they have to take extra jobs in the summer, perhaps, to supplement their income. So, you know, they they do they do think of this as a ministry. So get people that you know have some biblical soundness. And I'm not sure, <clears throat> as a pastor, how would you figure that out? How would you figure out if they're sound would you figure that out through an interview or i think or you'd have to talk do to it in your research not okay. your interview i mean that 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 is where it, it's difficult and i don't want to get off track but a lot of times people don't want to tell people the truth and i don't i don't know why that is they because it's like well yeah they're they're nice like maybe you'd call the school where they were before and maybe the school before that. Right. And they just sort of, they don't want to, <laughs> you know, sort of, well, they, they were fine. I think they'll do good. And and you have to sort of really say, okay, what was the issue? Well, no, we got along. Okay. Okay. Why did they leave? Well, they just felt like they should move on. 
it was mutually okay. Right. Yeah. Please tell me what the deficiency is so we can make a good decision. Uh, because we all have strengths and weaknesses. Right. And so, um, you know, your your work is going to have to be in talking to this person, that person, that person, that person at the college that that you're assigning. And and would you please address the issue of and we're not anti or pro any particular Christian college. Right. But, you know, there is the aspect, let's say you hire somebody from Pensacola, they're very familiar with Rebecca, and you're teaching Bob Jones. Right. And they feel like a fish out of water, you know, so maybe you should address that that thought. Right. Well, um, I've had it happen where uh, people did, the Rebecca curriculum is very well set up, and it's able to go day by day. It's written out very well. So it's more rote. And the Bob Jones material is more, here's your material, figure out and do what you would like with this material and go your own direction with it. So in a way, it's... um, Which for an experienced teacher, that's awesome. Right. But for a brand new teacher, it's difficult. I would say so, unless these Christian colleges finally get it together and say, you know what, I think we should have a course on curricula, and we're going to bring in all these different excerpts from all of these places so people understand and know. No one ever does that. I've never heard of one college that does that, and someone should take up the helm and do that or teach a course in it. You heard it first here. That's right. (laughs) All right, yes. Trademark this, please. But anyway, Um, so... I would say teachers need to have a great rapport with parents. They need to have biblical soundness. They should adapt to whatever ministry they're in and um, have some kind of ministry perhaps outside of it. Although I will caution because some people can go crazy and it's then it's too much for them. Um, where they're doing bus ministry, school, you know, they're doing things that the visitation programs that the church has in the evenings, you can burn out. And I would say Christian school teachers, that may be what you were seeing earlier when you're talking about how they coast. It's because their Christian their teachers themselves are burned out, hmm. and they need they they're being run on a treadmill, and they need they need their leadership to say, you know what, we're going to press a pause button here, some which way with our teachers, and let them be able to uh, minister to their own families and other things in a better way because we're running them ragged. So consistently, from my aspect, every day at school, you probably did hour and a half to two hours worth of work at home. Right. It was. I remember. So so you have that. And then let's say you're helping with any kind of a sports team. Now you've taken – your whole evening. And, right. And so, you know, after practice, even not a game, after practice, you get home and you got two more hours. So you're like, you've gone from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Right. And, you know, oh, hi, kids. Who are you? Right. And, and if it's a game uh, and the children are little, they usually don't go to the games unless it's a home game. But you get into basketball where you're going in the evening you know, you're missing your family, and then you you sing in the choir, you work on a bus route, you do— You're in the youth you, ministry. You're, you're never—you are you are just—you're just never home. Right. And, and you do get burnout. And so the other mm-hmm. aspect that I don't think is correct is, well, I'm at the school, and that's my ministry— so I'm not going to be involved in any other ministry period. Right. And I don't think that's wise either. Right. That's that is a rough 
it's a balancing act, I would it say. Is. I can still remember falling asleep on my laundry pile on the couch <laughs> at like midnight because I had done so many papers and so forth and I'm I just flopped over. <laughs> On my laundry. So, ladies that are schooling out there, I'm with you. I get it, for sure. Um, How about the aspect of discipline in the schools? Well, boy. I think we have seen it change over 40 years. Yes, I think it has changed a lot. And it's changed because our culture's changed, because of families changing. So, because of that, uh, you know, you have to be... When you come into the situation, teacher, you know, figure out or find out. I'm sure your administrator will tell you where your parameters are and you stay within the parameters and you do not venture out of those and you don't lose your temper with those kids. Even though you want to, you keep it in check. And if you have to, uh, you have a kid that's really acting up, then he has to just sit in the office regardless. And if he has to sit in the office half a day or whatever the administration says, fine. But, uh, you know, you you should not be subject to uh, one or two kids that are really causing a ruckus. Uh, you, sh- you don't have to handle it that way. You really need help with your admin, but decide what your parameters are. Because we went from, you know, corporal punishment of kids, uh, now not abusively, abusively, but um, we did that on the early days of Christian schools, and I would venture to say there's not one now that would. But Probably I think not. no. But they'll call the parent, and I I think it's it's a sound thing to do. Call that parent and say, "Come get them," and uh, your your child's going home today. And if a ch- parent has to leave work to come get that yes, kid, they're not happy. No, and uh, you better have your ducks in a row though about why. So usually teachers do. They usually have a long leash, and finally it's at the end of it. So I know you you were a very strong disciplinarian and then after that once that was settled the kids had a ton of fun right right well and when i was in the second christian school i taught in it wasn't just at the beginning of a school year it was like my first year that i was there when i set the tone um, for what was going on in my classrooms that the kids really picked up that hey She's all right. She's going to let us, you know, um, do different things. She's going to let us check our own homework sometimes. Or she's, it was just a different method that I used. Watch a movie. Right. Yeah. Right. And and they enjoyed it a lot. And so it kind of caught fire, it caught wind. And from that first year on, I didn't have any real big classroom difficulties because the kids were anxious to come to my class because they knew they would have fun but learn as well. So, But I have this, I don't know, a bent in my heart that says every child really wants to learn. You just have to figure out how that person's going to learn. All right. Finding those children that need extra help. Sometimes in a Christian school, you're limited with the amount of time that you can give. You've got a child in your classroom. Let's say you've got 25 students, and one or two of them are are like uh, anchors dragging everybody behind. What do you yes. do? Well, uh, th- this is a big discussion among Christian school teachers and a- administrators all the time. Like, it's very common. Um, it's also common that if somebody from homeschool, and I'm not dissing homeschools, but sometimes they come in and they're not quite there either. You have to, first off, decide 
uh, what extra time can you give them as a teacher? You can. You just have to slot time in and be open and honest with that classroom and with those students. And they're not usually going to be behind in everything. So it's usually going to end up in the language arts or math program part of it. So one of the two, it's usually going to lag behind. Sometimes it's just in the fact that they've never done homework in their whole life. They've always been in a public school. So you have to be able to first, as a teacher, try to give them some extra help, extra time. But that's in how you plan your day as well. If you have like most of the time in my classrooms, my kids had time to do all their math homework because, number one, I wanted to be there to help them. I didn't want their parents going, what, what, what did you not learn yet today? So when they had time to do that, so my math class was like an hour and a half a day, which sounds awful. But when you're playing a game for 20 minutes of it and you're going over old homework, you're going over, you know, it, it, it flew by every day. And the kids were happy that they got to go home without math homework. That was awesome to them. So in that regard, that's when you can help those slower ones. You bring them mm-hmm. over to your desk. You go to them. You help them. But past that, um, there should be some liaison in the school that you can go to if someone really has a difficulty um, or the administrator um, and talk to them about, okay, we need to pull so-and-so from class. Uh, what can we do? We don't want to take Jim away from them or other things. Uh, where can we give them one-on-one since my time with them I, I don't have that much time. You have to get outside help. Uh, parents are a great resource if you meet with them and say, okay, Johnny is way behind in this, so how can we work together to get this solved? So to me, just staying proactive, is it's going to hit most of the problems, not all of them. Mm-hmm. All right, I've got one last question, and we're running out of time, and then you can end it any way that you see fit. Okay. If there's something I missed, um, seat work and busy work. Oh, I hate it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was not somebody that loaded him down with that. Um, And and what I mean by that maybe maybe what you you know. I to me, it's you show up at school, you do your pledges, and then you sit down and do this stuff for an hour. No, forty five minutes, and it's like. Man, the kids are fresh. They're ready to go. Right. And, and now you're just going to, you know, put a big lull on the day by right. giving them five papers to do while you're getting stuff organized. I, I mean, no I don't need. know the I don't know the purpose of it. So there, Well, the purpose is so the teacher can have coffee and have a beginning of their day that's calm. <laughs> that's it. That's the purpose. <laughs> I'm sorry. Isn't that terrible? And and I know no all the teachers. There. Yeah, rise up and kill Denise <laughs> Woolman. What in the world is she talking about? No, I will tell you. Okay, my classroom normally, and I'm no big wonderful teacher to me, but I'm average. So I would say, when we came, I mean, they're getting into their lockers, they're coming into their room, this, that, and the other. I always had them write out their Bible verse one time, and then write out their spelling list one time. That was what they did in the morning. And depending on what I wanted to do with it, some years they kept it in a like a spiral. Other times they just passed it in. And I looked at it and, ha-ha, sneakily, I would count it as a penmanship grade. And you're like, what? But I told them that at the beginning of the year. I said, um, you don't know when I'm going to take a penmanship grade and how nice and neat and it looks and correct. So 
you know, I would just peruse over those. You don't you don't grade them like a spelling test necessarily, but you look them over. So that was it. And that can be done in less than five minutes. But that was while they were all coming into the room, getting their stuff together. And at Heritage, we had lockers inside the classroom. So that was that could be a ruckus. So but I was, you know, that was that was just my way. And I would just start out with uh, pledges and singing. I just love to hear kids oh, sing. Yes. Oh, yes. So, I, my I went favorite. to 11 different schools in 11 years because we moved a lot. And sometimes we showed up in the town halfway through a school year. And so whenever the next school year began, I'm in a different school, even though we're in the same place. But uh, public school and Christian school, I think almost every elementary grade we sang. Right. Almost every day. Right. And, you know, I don't necessarily always hear that whenever I'm, you know, in different schools here and there. You know, generally you do it early in the morning when, you know, either try to wake them up or while yes. they're already peppy. But I remember Heritage, the lunch ladies were always saying, we love hearing your class because I was at the bottom level right across mm. from the lunch room. And we would be singing. And, you know, the favorite was As the Deer. So we would sing mm. As the Deer every day or almost every day. And just to hear young voices do that, you know, that just started our day on a right note. But I taught Bible right out of the gate because I wanted it to be fresh. And I wanted them to start with Bible every day. But that's just me. It's hard to sing heartily and not be happy. Boy, that's true. Yeah. And kids love to sing if you get them going. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let's uh, somehow wrap it up. I know you could go probably... A week or two on these different topics. So yes, I have chapters and funny stories. Yes, of how horrible decisions I've made and the consequences that that happened. <laughs> so anyway, yes. But I, I would say, in conclusion, uh, teachers that are out there, you know, get together with your pastor, administrator, stay on the same team. Parents, they are not fighting you. You guys are all on the same team. So everybody decide what's best for that child or children and do it. Um, stay on the same team because you are. We're all there for the cause of Christ. We are there to make an impact on the next generation, and we can. Amen. Well, thank you, Sue, very much. And I know this is only Wednesday, but it's the last one that we recorded, and so uh, I do thank you for coming in. Well, thanks and for letting me. I appreciate you. I'll give you a smooch later, and Sounds that'll be good. your payment. All because, right. Because uh, Al and I don't pay each other that way. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I'm glad of that. Very, very glad. Good job. Yes. But I do think that you're a wonderful teacher. Oh, I thanks. think that you're a master teacher, and uh, there's a lot of good things that uh, that you have taught me over the years. I'll never forget whenever I started at Cleveland Baptist, I had to teach half a day in the Christian school and I was begging what a wake you. wake up call. I was begging you, how do you do this? What do you do at the grade book? What do you, I mean, exactly. all of those things. I'm like, Caboosh. I never heard this. All I heard was <laughs> hermeneutics and homiletics and all of these other things. And now I got to try to keep grades and attendance and homeroom and oh my goodness so fun I, fun I instantly gained immediate respect for you and then of course over the years uh, uh, as as you've made a real impact upon homes uh, parents and children and yeah. so thank you for your service to the lord thank you so much and those kids all know that i love them 
Well, this is Tim Talks, and uh, next week, well, coming up Friday, we're going to be looking at a uh, stellar homeschool education. And then uh, next week, uh, Dr. Stone and I should be back together, back at it again. So thank you so much for listening. As always, please give us a rating, a review, and make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. This is Tim Talks. You've been listening to Tim Talks, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, you can visit us at timtalks.com. That's T-I-I-M talks.com.